You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Diaspora Blues acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past and present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you're hearing us from. So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong and how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan. Welcome, welcome. You're listening to Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio. I am, we are all back. And as you can hear, my phone fell. Um, That happens when you're doing live show. So apologies about that. Across from me, we have Big Wah. Hello, 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 Ayan. Hello, everyone. Girl, it's so good to see you. I know. We're back. Yes, Can we, we say are. that? We're back. We're back. We're actually inside the studio where before we were doing everything from home. So producing, editing, you name it, all that was done from home. Wow. Um, Ayan was doing amazing work. So well to um, you. And wow to you, doing a hundred jobs while doing Diaspora Blues. And maybe you can sort of tell us the new thing that you've been working on that is very beautiful and everyone should hear about it. Oh, yes. So um, it's really interesting, um, I suppose, um, you know, during this quite relentlessly, just been relentless unknownness. And I suppose some, you know, and still trying to find work and new ways of working. And, um, you know, in that time, I also experienced a lot of, I guess, freedom, a lot of reclaimed time, a lot of reclaimed creative energy. And um, there, there's been a project I've been thinking about for a really long time, and it kind of just fell on my lap in a way um, and was like, this this is the thing. Um, and so I'm currently working on an Afro-diaspora publication and uh, about a week or two weeks ago I released the name it's called Dichotomy Uh, really really excited about it it's conversations visual sounds Um, yeah really 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 excited to launch the first edition which is in December Uh, yeah that's kind of a big big thing it's lots of work but really exciting I am looking forward to showcasing emergent artists one's more established, just to experiment, just to just to give people the space, just to, yeah, to, to mm. be recognised and reenumerated and celebrated. I think that's so important because not only are you giving people a platform, but you're also paying them and paying black people, especially black women, you have all sorts of people contributing to it. It's really important that especially black women get paid for their labour. Mm. So mm. that is nice. That's mm. an amazing incentive. Absolutely. Why dichotomy? Where did that name come from? Oh, wow. Um, I guess I'm, I'm really interested in these supposedly different worlds or different ways of being that, don't, that are seen as 
not living together, not working together, not existing together. And I think we, you know, black people, there's um, so much of us that's seen as um, opposing and that can't exist. And we have to choose aspects of ourselves or the aspects of ourselves that we, we haven't experienced are too many or, you know, there's particular ones that are only, I guess, acknowledged or realized or celebrated. And I'm saying actually all those things matter and all those things are beautiful and those tensions are beautiful, the joys are beautiful. And so I was really interested in the supposedly opposing things existing all in the one time and space. Girl, see, you even talking about it, there's a reason why you're the poet here because you've sold me. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and speaking of celebrations, um, today is the first day of NADOC week and we just want to, yeah, give a shout out to everyone celebrating NADOC week. Usually it's done in July, but because of COVID-19, it's been, yeah, pushed forward to November. So today is the first day of NADOC week, as we said, and today we're going to be playing music by First Nation artists. Um, so quick announcement, we have two new members who will be, yeah, contributing to Diaspora Blues real soon. Yeah. Yeah, so one of them is Maluka. She's interested in like social justice topics, so it'll be good to have her come on board and talk about that. And then there's also Flick, who is interested in technology and yeah, surveillance, online surveillance and all that. So um, we're excited. Yeah, we're very excited to hear that kind of conversation. And yeah, so thanks to them for reaching out. We cannot wait to share their stories with you. Um, and today we have an amazing, amazing guest coming into the, well, calling us. I was going to say come into the studio. That's not happening anytime not soon. So we have George Maxwell. George is a Tuesday breakfast presenter. She's also a telephone support worker at Wire Women's um, Information Referral Center. And she's coming in to talk about uh, coercive control and the bill to criminalize that and why some people might be reluctant to take it to court but before we do let's get some csa's and we'll be back victoria legal service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped questioned fined or charged for breaching covid19 restrictions have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside. Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. Bombs is a protest against like all the food waste. We, I guess, rescue food that would otherwise go to waste. Make meals from that food and serves them up to people who need a feed. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving 
everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. We need to have a working vehicle. So we do need money to keep our van going. Very occasionally we have to buy some food. To donate to our current fundraiser, go to www.chaft.org forward slash project forward slash food not bombs pandemic support. Food not bombs is a 3CR supporter. Digitube, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming, download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. We're going to jump into a song by Cassie Williams called How Can I Live? Take back what I said just the other night I didn't mean, I didn't mean to say the words to you At times like that, we all don't know what to say Let me take, let me take some time to say to you How can I live in this world when all I need is you?
Cassie Williams. Uh, Cassie is a Western Aranda woman from the remote community of Hermansburg in Central Australia. Welcome back. You're listening to Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio. Oh my goodness, I just did the quickest run from the next room and I completely forgot what it's like to do this, to run around, to make sure everything's working. So if I'm out of breath, you know why. So on the line we have George Maxwell. Before we introduce George, we want to give a quick uh, trigger warning. Yeah, indeed. Um, you can call Lifeline on 131114 or wire women's information on 1300-134-130, available until 5pm. And they also have a chat box until 5pm. Great. Thank you so much for that. So um, this segment will go for five to seven minutes. So... Um, if this is a topic that's a bit heavy for you, tune out and then come back in, let's say, 10 minutes. But on the phone, we have a friend of ours, George Maxwell. George is also a presenter at Tuesday Breakfast. She's a telephone support worker at Wire Women's Information Centre. And she's on the line. Thank you so much for joining us, George. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It it's is so good to hear the energy in the space now you can be back at the studio <laughs> oh my goodness let me tell you it is so good to be back to be able to see Bigwa sitting right across from me but there's obviously some changes there's a plexiglass between us so um so the reason we have you here with us today is to talk about the criminalization of coercive control firstly for our audiences who might not even know what this term is can you tell us what coercive control is yeah, absolutely. Um, just to start, I guess this is a bit of heavy stuff to begin with, but um, it's a term that I hadn't heard of until this year, but it has been around for a little while. And it basically describes a form of family violence. Uh, it refers to a wide variety of abusive behaviours, and it's often a sustained pattern of manipulative behaviour. So it can include social, financial, psychological and technology facilitated abuse, things like gaslighting, isolating a partner from friends and family, restricting their movement, using tracking devices on their phones, controlling their appearance and access to money. And I think this description is quite accurate, but it is it shows how devastating it can be. It really can strip away someone's sense of self. And it has devastating impacts on a person's independence, well-being, safety, and it's also the most common risk factor leading to intimate partner homicide. And just for a little bit of context in terms of why it's become a big thing in the media this year. So some states and territories recognise coercive control under civil law, but Tasmania, Tasmania is the only state that has specific criminal offences on coercive control. And overseas, new offences of coercive control were introduced in England, Wales and Scotland. And so in September 2020, a bill was introduced into the New South Wales Parliament, which aims to criminalise coercive control. Um, so that's kind of the context and why it's sort of a big... Um, contentious issue at the moment here. Mm. Thank you so much for yeah that information. Um, I guess when you compare coercive control to something like physical violence, it's like really different because unlike 
physical violence where you can detect it through marks and injuries and so on. Coercive control, it's a bit harder to detect it. Can you tell us Mm. more about that? Why is it difficult to recognise coercive control? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think like you were saying, we have kind of mainstream ideas of what violence looks like and that can restrict us from understanding coercive control. And I think that the difficulties are at all levels of society, individual, societal, legal. So with the individual, I think it's, you know, and this is based on my... um, work a while and the things that I learn and read about online as well. Um, We often speak to people who maybe haven't had, it might be the first time they're ever having a conversation and talking about their experience. And in society, we don't often use these words or we're we're only starting to use these words more recently. Mm. So it can be really challenging to actually recognise that what's going on for you is, is violence and is harm. I think the language is a big part of that. So we often try to name things and discuss Um, these terms with people so that they can make sense of what's going on for them. Mm. And at the societal level, I think it's about um, the fact that, yeah, in the media, we're still... These conversations are are being had, but they need to be had more and continue to be had. Uh, And so that's another level that where there's a lot more work that can be done to to make sense of what it looks like. Mm. And then with services, because we've got, you know, say, like, with WIRE, other family violence services, there's a lack of funding often understaffed and um, not enough support there. So for people to get help, it can be really difficult as well. We have a very flawed system. And then at the governmental and legal level, it's the, you know, as we all know at 3CR, uh, the ways of the system, the legal system reproduces inequality and upholds the colonial state. So even if someone does get through all that levels, all those levels, and they know what's going on and they want to take that kind of action, then they've also got to deal with the kinds of discrimination and inequalities that are pervasive within the legal system. George, can you share with us some of the arguments against criminalising coercive control? Yes, absolutely. So, again, so on the against criminalisation, it's obviously a, a, strong, a staunchly prison abolition perspective, and it's in response to the sort of the carceral feminist perspective. So for listeners who don't know, carceral feminism is... It, it argues that criminalisation is the best way to deal with these kinds of harms. But on the prison abolition side, we'd say that it doesn't work, that putting people in prisons does not change violence in society, that we need other ways to condemn violence. And I think it's interesting to read about the activism and the work that's been done over many years on this issue and how it's been pointed out that when we're looking up, when we're looking up to the legal system to tell us right from wrong, and we're we're, we're putting all our eggs in that basket and all our resources and all our money into legal systems and policing, we're not organising, we're not looking around us at the community level and what we can do to address these issues. Mm. So I think that argument is really useful to understand how it's not mutually exclusive. We can't just say, as some carceral feminists argue, we need legal action and we need community action. We say if we have legal action, that's taking money away from services, housing, mental health, family violence services, if that money goes into those services, mm. we might have a better chance of actually dealing with this issue. Mm. So the, on the side of decriminalisation, or, or not criminalising it in the first place, sorry, then the abolitionist, abolitionist perspective is about saying we need other ways. We can, we can address this issue without having to go through the criminal justice system. 
Yeah, and that's such a good point that you made about funneling resources towards community organising and, I guess, services that are on the ground. Um, and I think there's an underlying assumption with this bill, and I could be wrong, but um, it assumes that everybody or every woman who's been a victim would want to go to court or would want to contact the police. Are there certain women or reasons why women would not want to um, pursue those avenues? Yeah, totally. And I know that this is an issue that UAN also talk a lot about and at 3CR it's spoken about a lot. But yeah, we know that that it's it's a pretty terrifying thing to have to go through the legal system for, for anyone. But then when you add those dimensions of the ways that the system is oppressive towards First Nations people, um, people of colour, um, trans, queer, gender diverse people, migrants and refugees, you know, we know how the system actually reproduces violence towards these people mm. and we know that when you know going through that court process knowing that knowing that that's the history makes it so inaccessible um so people know from people around them and from their own experiences that it just doesn't work and it doesn't heal and it doesn't it doesn't um for a lot of people it doesn't um help them to get to justice in any way Absolutely. And you've also talked about this before when we used to do Tuesday Breakfast that the court system exacerbates those that situation, right? Mm. So you go in to, you know, get a restraining order and before you know it, you, you've become re-victimised because of the um, power imbalance of the adversarial system. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, okay, so you sort of touched on it before about prison abolition and it's such a huge concept but can you narrow that down for our listeners? You know, what is it and um, what does it argue? Yes, absolutely. I'll do my best to be brief and hopefully get to the main point. But my understanding is that prison abolition is a grassroots movement. It's a global movement. It's been going on for many, many years. And fundamentally, it's about abolishing prisons and dismantling the prison industrial complex. And so if you're an abolitionist, you recognise the intersections of all form, forms of oppression and inequality and you see abolition as a movement that cuts through all these intersections, you know, of white supremacy, colonisation, transphobia, queerphobia, class inequality, ableism and gender inequality. So I would argue, and I think abolitionists argue, that it's a, it's a movement that is both realistic and hopeful. And that's different to how uh, carceral feminists would position the abolitionist perspective. Mm. But we really want to challenge that in our panel and talk about how it's realistic because... It acknowledges that punitive approaches don't work. They don't eradicate violence, as we've spoken about, and how the system actually perpetuates that violence. So it's being realistic about the failings of the system. And it's hopeful because it's about organising for change. Seeing change as possible and as something that we can work towards. You know, we can address these issues and these forms of harm, but we need, we need to look at other ways of doing that and think creatively about what other approaches might look like. So it's not about not addressing... Uh, offending that isn't the problem everybody wants to address that I guess it's yeah. not you know using punishment as the only like I guess as the only solution to dealing with offending um, okay so this has been an excellent conversation and I guess this conversation will be developed further on Wednesday uh, through an event that you and the rest of Tuesday Breakfast are organizing can you tell us what that event is about and also how can people register and where can people even register? Yeah, beautiful. Um, so it is called Safety for Who? 
uh, through prison abolitionist perspective on criminalisation of coercive control. It's, yeah, as you said, Tuesday Breakfast is hosting. It'll be this Wednesday. You can check out our Facebook event. And if you're kind of new, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are very, very familiar with these issues, but if you are wanting to know more, we have included some links, um, like our, um, Angela Davis and other texts that could be good to read beforehand. So it'll be a one-hour discussion and a half-hour Q&A, so from 6 to 7.30 this Wednesday night. And we also want to recognise that this conversation has been going on for a long time and we want to contribute to it and hopefully, yeah, add something that then can be taken further. And we've got some pretty important panellists. So Tabitha Lean, Georgia Mantle, Juliet and Monique Hamid, they all have a lot of knowledge on this issue and um, some very strong perspectives, some abolitionist perspectives to share with us. So we're really, really excited to hear their thoughts. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. You're our first guest back we appreciate you yeah, giving us time <laughs> to you, talk about oh, these no important worries. issues. 3CR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. All right. First show back. Thank you to George Maxwell, um, Tuesday Breakfast presenter. Um, yeah, thank you for your perspectives on a really important topic in transforming violence and reducing harm and mm. really, really important conversation. Um, and again, um, I might just give um, the lifeline uh, number again is 131114 or the Y uh, Women's Information on 1300-134-130. We're going to end on Baker Boy's hit, Cool As Hell. Like a lone wolf dancing in the street light, howling at the moon. When I hear the beat, not a guy, but boyun, murmuram, that's what a brother do. Spreading that mood, bro. Get me on the dance floor, we could have a dance off, do it all night. Feeling all juiced up, getting my groove on, set it up super, we could take a flight. Alright, I said, ooh, you got me feeling myself. Now I put it on you. Cool as hell. I said, ooh, you got me feeling myself. Now put it on you You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.